This week on Hold Up, we have Isaac Hoskins, a local singer-songwriter and manager at Dan's Silverleaf, one of my favorite places in town. We met there to have a conversation about his life and music and his process in songwriting, and it turned into one of the more meaningful conversations I've ever had on the topic, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Also, we found out a few hours after we recorded that he's a finalist in the Kerrville Songwriting Festival, so I also wanted to say congratulations to him on that. What is your association with Dan's? How, how did you get involved? Oh, man. I started doing the door here 12, so 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah. And then I started tending bar, and here I am. Nice. <laughs> here we are today. I'm the manager now, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so um, how often do you play here? I don't try. I try not to play here too often uh, just because... You know, I got to be business minded as well. And yeah. Understand that this isn't just a clubhouse, you know. You don't want to take advantage of your situation. Yeah. You know, I play maybe once a month, maybe once every couple months. Yeah. Try to do a Denton show, you know. And I really learned a lot about performing and being in front of people and being on stage from being here. Yeah. It's definitely been a good place for me to grow. Cut you know? your teeth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I've talked about it on this show before, but it's, it's my favorite place to see a performance. Just I, what I always say, it feels like somebody's living room with a stage in it, like just a comfortable room. But it really sounds like it's the best sound of any place around. I think. I mean, I'm sure it's. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're working with people that care about it, yeah, and, and Jimmy definitely cares about it. I know he gets a bad rap for being grumpy and all that. But he's, he's an intimidating figure to most. You know, what I've noticed, people that come prepared and they act like it's a job, Yeah. Uh, Jimmy's not upset with them. Yeah. It's the people that think of it as their Friday night to come out and party. Yeah. Which, you know, for some people it is, but it's how we pay our bills, you know? So, uh, Jimmy takes it seriously. I take it seriously. We try to put on, you know, a good, comfortable environment you know for people to enjoy live live music yeah but um I'm, I'm glad to know that there are still folks that dig that you know oh man yeah it's it doesn't go unnoticed you know it's <clears throat> and i actually i was here for the brave combo show a couple weeks ago which was awesome you yeah know, those guys are great um and of course their relationship i'm sure is, goes way back with the place but uh and i actually talked about the, this very thing with richard haskins i ran into him at the show and he said you know jimmy's he said he has that appreciation. He said how I got to know him and like kind of break the ice was just talking gear because he's like a man who appreciates quality things, <laughs> yeah, you know. And he, yeah. so he's like, I just kind of mentioned a specific piece of gear and it kind of broke the ice and allowed him to like know that I'm not just some, you know, shithead off the street that doesn't know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah, you know, and I definitely don't know what I'm talking about as far as that goes. Yeah. I'm more of a songs and sounds guy. The other I, I side. Yeah, but... uh. Um, Jimmy, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people break the ice that way. It's kind of funny now to watch because I think the word has gotten out. Yeah. But, you, know, you know, bring up the Midas 220Z or something, you know, I don't even know if that exists, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and he, <laughs> you know, he's gotten a little bit um, less, he's, he's gotten easier to approach recently anyway. He's, you know, he's a dad now. So. He softened up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Don't tell him that. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. No. 
I won't let the secret out. Yeah. So, uh, more specifically to you and your <clears throat> song, when did you start a playing guitar and b writing songs? You know, I got my first guitar when I was a kid, but I never really did anything with it. Um, and then I learned a little bit. Uh, like I learned Brown Eyed Girl and like some maybe some like George Strait songs or something like that in high school. But I, I didn't get serious about it until much later. I was probably I moved to Denton because I decided I wanted to do that. And uh, were you going to school or just because you knew this there was a good music scene here? <clears throat> well, I didn't go to school here. I was in school. Okay. Uh, I had right out of high school. I went. I had a music scholarship to a school. A junior college in Kansas called Cali College. Okay. What were you playing? What was the... Uh, it was vocal performance. Called vocal, okay. Yeah. I was in the choir, show choir. I did uh, like chamber choir. I was in uh, two musicals. I played the lead in, in uh, Big River. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was fun. It was a cool experience. It was, it was a bit of a change of pace for a high school jock, you know, but I had a good time doing it. But, um... Anyway, I, right after that, I went to OU, mm -hmm. and I just did not jive with Norman at all, and it probably had more to do with my attitude than anything, but I moved back to Wichita, because I grew up in South Kansas, South Central Kansas, and lived with my mother in Wichita for a couple months, and attended Wichita State, Okay, and uh, lots of things happened in my life that summer that made me think, man, I need to... I need to spend my time on this earth doing what I want to do and not what I think other people want me to do. So that's when I moved to Denton. I didn't go to school at all. I had no intention of ever going to school, and I haven't since then until probably, you know, the first of the month, every month. <laughs> God, yeah. man, maybe yeah. I need to go back to school. No, uh, just the music scene, but more of, I kind of stumbled onto that, you know. I'm, I uh, My cousin lived in Chrome. And she got me a job driving a beer truck. Okay. And so through that, I kind of got to know all the club owners, and that's how I got to know Dan. Okay. And Josh Bache over Rubber Gloves and everybody, man. Rest in peace, <clears throat> Rubber Gloves. Yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, so I guess to make a long story short yeah I, I really had no idea that there even was a music scene here what that there was a jazz school any of that kind of stuff and then once I got here and got around all that kind of stuff and was seeing shows and meeting people uh, Austin I didn't even care about moving down there and that's what my original plan was to stay here for like six months save some money and then move to Austin yeah <clears throat> which I don't have anything against Austin but I'm a slow paced kind of dude you know yeah at this point, especially now, this, you know, 2017, Austin, to me, it seems like a headache now because of the traffic and it's just become such a zoo. Yeah, you know, I'm guessing it probably isn't if you're in your spot and you stay in your neighborhood, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, eventually if I'm doing what I want to be doing, it's not going to matter where I live, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes I got sense. friends that tour all over the world and live in Duluth, Minnesota, you know? Yeah. Or wherever. Yeah. Wichita, Kansas. So, um, I love Denton. It's a, it's a great place. I fell in love with it years ago. I kind of had my second adolescence here Yeah. and figured out exactly who I was, you know? It's a pretty important place to me. Yeah. And from a music angle, <clears throat> you know, not necessarily being interested in North Texas, but... 
the residuals of having it here and the people that you meet because of that. I'm sure that you've probably come across and developed relationships with musicians who were here maybe because of that and stayed or whatever. Oh, yeah, totally. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. And and not just musicians that came here to play music, you know, tons of some of my favorite bands are fronted by people that were RTVF majors or, yeah. or um, you know, with arts too, you know, fashion design and, and whatever else. I don't even know what they have at North Texas, but uh, as far as you know, non-musical art school goes. But yeah, it's it, it was literally the weirdest place I'd ever been. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a wheat farming town in Kansas and everything was pretty what you would expect, you know? Just simple, kind of slow. Well, that, but... I mean, the first time I ever saw two men kiss was in Denton. Yeah. The first time I ever saw a girl with a mohawk was in Denton. You know, like it, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain to people just how <laughs> the culture shock when I first got here, and I loved it. You know, it was. Yeah. And the, the same goes for music too. You know. I mean, yeah. There were so many things. I was inundated with tons and tons and tons of great music that I had never heard of, or if I'd heard of it, I never really ventured out to even hear what it was about. You know? Yeah. So, without a doubt, it's influenced me in so many ways. I can't even begin to. Yeah, it's funny because growing up here, I've seen, and I don't think I noticed it as much as a kid, but I definitely see it, you know, now that the dynamic of having this super liberal arts college in the middle of a town that I think most people that you meet above 40 are pretty, you know, red state Republican types, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's it's that perfect balance of like, I know just as many people who are on this side as that are on this side. So it's, I don't yeah. know. For me, it's always just been kind of like that yin and yang <laughs> of my life that I never, I never really thought about until, you know, and then you have, you know, election year last year and you just, oh. you feel both sides just rocking back and forth what and it becomes man. volatile and that's when it really stands out. But uh, that, that was the strangest thing I think I've ever experienced as far as you know politics or even just just the idea of, of being social was either either everybody's walking around with a great big club in their hand or they're walking around on broken glass you know yeah. it was really weird and it still is but uh <clears throat> i don't know going back to the political split you know i get what you're saying but for me that was like everybody was conservative red state and then I threw myself into this world where not everybody was. And for the most part, everybody was completely the opposite. You know, yeah. I had to find my middle ground. Um, so I, I definitely thank Denton for that. You know, it, it, it made it possible for me to see. Uh, it made it possible for me not to be worried about putting on someone else's shoes and seeing where they may have come from. Yeah. You know? Because once you have an interaction with somebody that you normally wouldn't, given the situation that you are comfortable putting yourself into, um, I think your your views will change quite a bit. Yeah. I think, I, I'm sure we've had this conversation before uh, on the show and, and elsewhere, but that was the biggest, the biggest thing that's ever happened in my life is the day I realized that I don't know shit and, you know... <laughs> You know, you, you that is a big to, day. You know what I mean? Like it's, that comes right after the day you've realized that your parents are just people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right around that same time, and uh, it, it goes hand in hand with you know I've got a young daughter, and 
that day when you realize that it's not about you anymore and mm-hmm. you know what I mean your your life is not for you it's now it's for somebody else it's to and it, and willingly you want to give everything you have for this little person that shares your DNA you know what I yeah, mean yeah hopefully that's it, a it's if, a shell shock if you're if your head screwed on right then yeah, you yeah, think yeah. that way and I, and I, I mean I would hope I mean, it happened for me you know and I think it happened leading up to it because you have you're watching this woman go through all of this you know build up and you kind of spend the nine months I would think wanting to kind of serve her and help her get to the point because it's you feel helpless as a man who can't you know because you want to just take the I'm load writing off all this her. down I need to, I need to get notes yeah yeah, yeah. you take you, you want to take the load off and there's really not a whole lot you can do other than just kind of be a you know a hand servant at times <laughs> and you feel helpless and then once the once the child is there you're like man like there's from this moment on it's not about me it's like i want to do everything i can to help this and you know now she's she's almost two and she's walking and now she's talking and she's got this personality and it just kind of blows your mind so uh it's, it's interesting man. man it's uh it's I'd like I mean, to meet that child yeah she's uh she's pretty awesome but um well that kind of in a roundabout way leads me to your songwriting where does it come from for you like where do you find inspiration because like you know i don't write songs but i've often thought like i have a lot on my mind at times and now like having a child there are times when i think maybe i should start keeping a journal or something or writing because mm-hmm. i do feel like i have a creative mind but i've never had an outlet for that so you being a person who writes songs i imagine that's a good way for you to get you know emotions out or just certain feelings or thoughts oh yeah man i think i probably saved tons of money in therapy bills just, <laughs> just writing down things and thinking through them you know i'm such a stickler for word choice and meter and rhyme and all that stuff that i can you know by the time i'm done writing half the song i'm already over whatever it was you know yeah. or hopefully um man i just started doing it because i because i had to you know i just felt like a all I thought about for so long was just songs and I listened to these great songwriters that I worshiped and I thought, shit, man, why not? I'll try it. Yeah. And so I really feel like anybody can do that. You just got to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, Did the, when was the first time you actually performed an original in front of people? Oh man. And how was that experience? (laughs) Well, chances are I was drunk, so I don't really remember how it felt. Um, You know, honestly, probably at Rubber Gloves. I also did a show here. I've got a poster from the shows with the band called uh, Burnt Sienna Trio and this one-man band guy named Philip Roebuck. Okay. He's great. Uh, He's got like a drum on his back, and he connects it to his feet and stomps and it's wild yeah i've always been amazed by the ability to do that (laughs) (laughs) well uh that particular show he got off stage and threw up because i think he'd been drinking all day long with the guys in the band anyway that that was i think was my first show in denton was uh that day and i can't imagine that i ever really would have played original songs in front of people before that i guess i played open mics and stuff like that but i'm not sure exactly uh, when that would have been it, it was somewhere around 2003 or 4 okay probably yeah so it, leading up to that had you mostly done covers and just 
messed around with the people you knew just threw the guys together to make a band or how did that work yeah you know high school I had a band um, a couple different bands I mean mainly the same people there weren't a whole lot of folks to choose from but, yeah uh, there was this not a ton of guitar, players guitar player Kansas. named yeah. John Ross he still okay. lives there uh, I think he I think he still plays music I'm not for sure and a guy named Mark and, and uh, several other dudes we, we got together and we played some rock covers and we did some you know country songs and stuff but it was there was never every time I tried to write anything I, I just thought it was terrible so I just shelf that and we'd go ahead and play John Mellencamp songs yeah. or whatever <laughs> that's been my whole you know not to say that I you know have had any you know success doing it but like I, I've taken guitar lessons and tried to play and I mess with it on my own and I'll write something down and I'm just it may just be that I'm too close-minded about my own thoughts because like I always just think who the fuck cares about this like <laughs> and so I always just stop trying yeah so I guess you have to just kind of learn to push through that and keep learn that maybe the seventh draft will work and not quit after <laughs> one but I've thought about this a lot of times recently and I've heard some other friends of mine say that this similar things to this in interviews that when they first started out they didn't know how terrible it was mm -hmm. and I didn't either I had no idea how bad and boring it was yeah and and maybe I didn't give a shit I don't know I just knew that I had to continue to do it and there were people around that would uh, allow me to essentially practice you okay know? I mean, I get up and play open mics or do shows and stuff, uh, and just kind of figure out how to how to play. Dan has been the most supportive of probably anybody as far as providing me an audience and a stage to uh, to become a performer. You know, if that's yeah. what I wanted to do. But <clears throat> as far as like who's gonna care about this, I didn't care. It was it it, it's, it really was about me and. Anybody that says it's not at first is full of shit. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, Whether it's ignorance or apathy, you got to kind of, I guess there's got to be some mix of that in there. It probably was a little bit of both, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Growing up, you mentioned playing some rock music and playing in bands in high school and stuff. Who are your real influences, you would say? Like, if you have a go to, like, couple people, songwriter wise? Oh, man. I mean, there are tons, you know, as far as just the love of music in general. But yeah. For for what really turned my wheels and made me want to be a songwriter, uh, John Prine. Yeah, it's a good one. And Guy Clark, probably my biggest. Yeah. Uh, Steve Earle was a big one too, but then I realized um, he was just another disciple of, of Guy Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, in my opinion, I don't know. He's really great. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, he's had some great ones, man. Uh, that, that's what that's what led me to Guy Clark in the first place, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's, but there's a ton. There's so many, man. I, I just really appreciate people who know how to put together a good song. Yeah. Who and are the people like nowadays that you would say are doing the kind of the similar thing of this generation? Um, like a Jason Isbell type or Oh yeah, for like sure. That? that goes without saying. And I've been a fan of his for years and I've been telling people and telling people and well, he's like, a prime disciple too, isn't he? Like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 
finally people are like, hey, have you heard of this dude? I'm like, come on, man. I yeah. told you about that 10 years ago. He's like th- he's like in his <laughs> mid-30s, late 30s, you know? He's not he's, some kid, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, he's, I mean, he, yeah, he, he's... He's been through the ringer, too. He's, he's an incredible inspiration, man. He really is. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I've only met him a handful of times um, and have friends that, that know the dude. But, yeah. yeah, he really did. He pulled out of the ditch and, and uh, in a very impressive way yeah i wonder people like him that have battled i mean even somebody like stevie ray did the kind of had the he was on his way back from hell basically on Mm -hmm. when he died that battled addiction or whatever was substance abuse or any sort of demon like that and come back from it i'm sure that that provides a lot of incredible inspiration too but uh not only from the songwriting aspect but just life experience kind of slaps you back to reality and goes hey man if you don't get off this train you're gonna crash pretty hard you yeah know I mean? you know i mean it, it, a lot of it is mindset and and i don't i don't know i mean i don't know back i guess back to your original question i mean there's jason isbell of course and there's that whole dave cobb crew out in, in nashville is doing so many great things there's mm-hmm. his his cousins this guy named brent cobb who's a killer songwriter i think i just saw something from him the other day he's so good yeah and, uh, i mean uh, sturgill uh, recorded with him too right sturgill simpson's another guy that kind of got mixed up with dave cobb I think. yeah I mean, all, all those dudes i mean they they did uh Girl named Bonnie Bishop that's been around Texas for yeah, quite a while. She's really she good. She did a record there recently. Well, it was last year. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of people that are that are. Call- I'm sure that guy's calendar is full and his phone is ringing constantly. Yeah. But um, that's. I mean, it's good to hear that people are carrying on that tradition when you see things like, you know. I mean, I think I accidentally. I was flipping channels the other night and the the CMA Awards were on, <laughs> and it's just. You sit and wonder. Like, I, it makes Flipping me feel channels. old. I'm a 29 year old who feels like I'm 70 <laughs> when I look up, and I'm like, "What in the fuck is this?" <laughs> so it is nice to see people who are kind of still do it the way that you like to hear it done. Well, you know, and I've got I've had so many different opinions about that over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't care for a lot of that music that they're that they're creating. I guess. Yeah. But here's the thing that really annoys me. It's not even the sounds. It's not the beat. It's not. It's not even the ridiculously over the top uh, presentation. Yeah. It's that I feel like the people that I love and the people that I grew up around and the people that I consider myself to be a part. You know, the, the group of people that I consider myself to be a part of, being pandered to, or being having their intelligence um, not belittled but but um, discounted or I can't really think of the word I'm trying to find but yeah having having their intelligence insulted basically insulted for sure um, just with and I, I look back with that that frame of mind and I listen to all kinds of old country roots honky-tonk music and it's nothing new but for some reason that nostalgia allows us to um, overlook that yeah. in the past you know I mean there were some Conway Twitty songs back in the day that were 
pretty questionable, you know. Yeah, like, he was wearing flashy clothes, and, <laughs> and he was, you know, he had makeup on and he had his hair done, and you know, it's not like it was all just outlaws and <laughs> all that shit, you know. Well, I, I get I, that. So much of a love affair with that idea, especially here in Texas. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's all a lot of it's kind of silly, but you know, in order to be completely genuine, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. Of, I guess that's why I love Guy Clark and and Bruce Springsteen and people like that. But yeah, even that's over the top. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's a fine line between putting on a show and 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 being uh, true to your roots or whatever the hell people want to say. Yeah, country this, you know, country that. This that, that ain't country. This is rap country. Whatever the hell. I don't know, man. It's just it's just tunes and. The main thing that upsets me, I guess, like I said, is just that it's it's the machine that's creating music that is that is uh, it discounts the intelligence of people, the people that are meant to consume it. Yeah. And I don't think that because I grew up in Wellington, Kansas, that I'm any less intelligent than somebody that. They grew up in D.C. Yeah. Or wherever, you know? That's exactly right, yeah. That's, but. that's This is an argument that I had with my wife the other day. Because uh, there was a, I think Luke Bryan was the artist. Uh, but there was a song about, like, you know, catching catfish and laying down a tailgate and all this stuff. And I just, I rolled my eyes and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And she was like, what do you mean? She was like, that, why can't he talk about, you know. <laughs> She's like, I'm sure there are girls that want to do I'm like, you know, if you break down the lyrics of the song, he's talking about, you know, trying to, like, make out in the tailgate after catching a catfish. Did he did he have a deep fryer in the truck? Did he cook it out? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to break it down. She's like, she thinks I'm just being an asshole just because, you know, for the sake of, you know, trying to talk down to it. And I'm like. Well, but, I applaud her for, for calling you out. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I'm like. Because it's cool to hate on Luke Bryan. I, I don't know yeah, the guy. But my whole deal was like, you know. In reality, Luke Bryan's not dating a woman who wants to go out and fish on a river and eat it in the back of a truck. <laughs> like he is dating the girl who wants to go have a glass of wine at a nice restaurant and or whatever. Yeah, you know but you know, I mean? you're also thinking about. But he's pandering to the people who appeal. Who when they hear that, go hell yeah, man! Like yeah, those, that's no, who's buying the sure. record. But because you know, somebody that's going to take his wife out to the palm for a dinner and a and a fucking you know go yeah. see the the a play or an opera or some kind of shit yeah first of all they're not buying CDs they're not going to fucking Walmart and yeah. buying CDs they they're on iTunes and whatever else um and then again i guess somebody it, somebody has to make that music for the guy that wants to go and catch catfish and whatever and i guess you know yeah, it, that um, is a lane that somebody has to fill. Chances are know. that guy's probably listening to the, to the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band anyway. You know? <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, yeah. Here's my thing with that though: it's like people who live in rural communities right now at this time, I really believe that they want to they want to have music that they can identify with mm-hmm. and that is about. Uh, the types of things that they do. So you got your working man song. Yeah. You got your I'm pregnant, living in the trailer park, um, and my husband ran off song, which mm-hmm. is nothing new. 
you got you know you've got all these different things that are that are the singles of the week or the month and um, I got off on a tangent there it, they, they want to have things that they can identify with but they also don't want to be seen as um, antiquated or part of part of something that's old and dusty so you it, you throw in the Drake or the or the Nelly or the 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 hip cool thing that that gives it that sense of something that's modern but it's also uh, relatable for people who live in rural communities and have blue collar jobs yeah you know? um, I know I probably thought way too much about that but I've hated it for so long, but you know what? At the end of the day, I fucking left, man. I live in Denton, Texas now. Mm-hmm. I don't drive the grain cart in the summertime. I don't yeah. do all the things that I used to do. I don't. I haven't fished in years, and I love that stuff. But yeah. I put myself into in a different place. So who the hell am I to say um, how quote unquote those people feel and yeah. what they want to listen to? You know, so it's very true. And I guess my point on a lot of that stuff is that, like, you know, I don't want it to come across. People will talk about, and it's a valid point, I think, that, you know, you'll hear a, a country, quote unquote, track now that'll have like an electronic drum beat or something. And it just seems a little weird because we didn't, you know, there's something strange about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will say, like, hip hop, you know, this is like a rap song with country lyrics or whatever. And, you know, I know just about everybody I knew had. Uh, Jay-Z CDs and Robert O'Keefe CDs in their truck at the same time right. in high school. It's not like we didn't listen to both. But my problem is when you see somebody like, I mean, I saw, I don't know if it was on Twitter or something, but somebody posted a video of these people that were doing basically rap music out in a swamp somewhere with like Confederate flags and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like you're really missing the point, or it seems like you're. <laughs> well, it's definitely a contradiction in terms. That's for yeah. It's sure. just you're a walking, <laughs> you're a walking contradiction, and I, you know, it just none of that. That part of it has never made sense to me. Not that you know somebody like a Florida Georgia line is waving a Confederate flag yeah, or something. I mean, but that that all that is all like a definite uh, attempt at becoming part of some sort of counterculture. Because yeah. that's that's. Uh, in my opinion, who those people feel like they can identify with the most. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in the 90s, I I truly believe that people that grew up in the era that you and I did, Mm -hmm. punk rock was fucking dead, man. Yeah. I didn't know shit about Black Flag. Yeah. Or Minutemen or, you know, any of that stuff until actually until I moved here. But hell, even Nirvana, like the grunge stuff was kind of past my time. I was was too young for that. So, you're the the young angry pissed off kid music was gangster rap that's a really good point i didn't think about i mean the thing that made you feel like i'm a doing something bad because even you know metal what the hell was that metallica yeah. i mean yeah so it, it really got as far as when i was a kid you know i did i did have dude i you listen to my songs now it's so wordy and that all came from rap yeah, Notorious B.I.G. and Easy E. and 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 KRS One and all these people that I listened to as a white kid driving a tractor around a field in Kansas. Um, it was definitely probably comical to a lot of people, but I tried to take something from that mm-hmm. and and turn it into something that was maybe a little bit more genuine than me standing in a field with a Confederate flag and 
rap rapping about country life. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I'm getting off of, of uh, track. No, that's that's what we do. It, it's uh, it's all. I mean, first of all, people get so wound up about that ain't country or that ain't this or that, and it's like. First of all, those fucking labels are just for people that want to sell shit. Yeah. And yeah, of course I want to sell my music. I want I want to be able to make a living playing songs. But you can call it whatever the hell you want, man. It's just music about and, and intent, you know, mostly what I write about are, are people and places and things that I know. You yeah. Know? So if that happens to be some guy driving a John Deere or, or some dude living in a high rise in, in Manhattan, I, I don't know. It's just a tune. Yeah. So it can be taken too it's, seriously. It's definitely sometimes. tradition. And and the reason that yeah. people take it seriously is because A, they always associate those types of things with their parents and their grandparents or their aunt or uncle or somebody like that. And they, they think about a moment that happened and why they love that so much. I mean, I do it too. But you've got to I think people have to be willing to let that uh progress a little bit, you know. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love the shit out of old school honky tonk and and uh, really old country songs. I mean, that is some of my favorite music. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, do we really need another jambalaya? You know, or or you know, do something that's different. Yeah. And for me, the only thing that's really different are my thoughts. I'm not a great guitar player. I'm not a great arranger. You know, I'm not. I don't think I'm some kind of savant music writer, but I guess I'm pompous enough to think that people might be uh, intrigued in what I have to say. Yeah. Why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's something that nobody else has written before. <laughs> you know? as, as, it's too late as now. Weird you know, as that seems. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. And like I said, it's it, I don't want it to come across as like, you know, that the label thing. I don't, I, you know, you can sound, you can do a country song that kind of sounds like hip hop, you know. That's that's you, and if that's you, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But like, it could be, I don't know. It's hard for me to describe where I stand as far as that goes because well, I know it's, what you're saying, I just dude. I just I totally don't think it. that you should throw. I don't know somebody like like a George Strait is up is up for a you know he has he puts an album out in 2016 even as a. 65, 70 year old, however the fuck old he is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't be He's not compared. That old, well, whatever <laughs> it is, you know. But he shouldn't be he shouldn't be sitting there side by side with somebody who's doing something else. I don't know. It just it seems weird to me that, and maybe that's my own fault. I mean, maybe that's my own. No, man, I get it. Like I'm, I'm probably playing devil's advocate a little bit here because I am super old school, dude. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty. I'm pretty set in my ways as far as what I'm willing to believe yeah, and what I'm willing to, to choose to like try to identify with as far as music goes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, do I think George Strait is way better than anything we're hearing now? Yeah. But yeah. I'm also a songwriter snob and I think Dean Dillon was one of the greatest songwriters that, that ever lived and he wrote all that shit. Yeah. George just put on the Stetson. And st- he, looked he, nice. looks, he looks good on the stage <laughs> and he looks good in a pair of Wranglers so, with a guitar strapped around and him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, man. George Strait, King George is, 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 is where it's at. I grew up on that stuff. Yeah. 
Well, Garth Brooks too. Garth Brooks is a good example of that too. He's yeah, a showman. Totally, man. And he, I don't think and he the guy, wrote... He got a degree from Oklahoma State University in marketing, man. I mean, <laughs> he, <laughs> they he, should have that shit on the front page of their pamphlet, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, the greatest marketer of this generation. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, yeah, he's. It, just, about, just watch the he, the, the Texas like, Stadium. You don't sound anything like Kiss. You say that Kiss was a big influence on you. Well, you damn right because they got. You know, it's Spaceballs the Lunchbox, man. They, yeah. It's all, you know, marketing. But that G on everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, dude with his own logo, doing that Texas Stadium show, getting blasted out of a cannon. You can't tell me there's no influence. I mean, you can see the Chris Ledoux and the Kiss influence at the same time. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're both right there for you. Yeah. Uh, they're obvious. And and you know what? Here's I've thought about this lately. I've laughed. My wife and I have talked about this. My wife is a giant metalhead. Like, she mm-hmm. would not give a shit about any of the kind of music that I listen to, really. But we were sitting in a restaurant one day, and this Tim McGraw song or Garth Brooks or something came on. And we were like, you remember when this was Luke Bryan? You know, like mm-hmm. like all the things that people bitch about now. It's almost the same thing as, like, our presidential situation. Yeah. You know, when, when when Homeboy got voted in this year, yeah, we we're all going, oh, fuck, where is Mitt Romney? When you, you know, when you, you really need it, him. And now it's the same thing but, with that music. It's like, I would kill for a lame Tim McGraw song now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. I want to hear Don't, Don't I, Take the Girl Don't Again. Don't Take the Girl When You Need It. <laughs> That's so, funny. I mean, you know, it's yeah. progressively gotten, but you know, also I'm getting old and, and it sounds silly to say that, but. I'm in a business that I'm around people who are in their 20s all the time. And, yeah. and being able to identify with a lot of a lot of the things that are that drive today's young society. I don't get it. I don't yeah. know what the hell Snapchat is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, makes sense. And and people make fun of the Luke Bryan lyrics and 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 all those things which obviously are terrible and they, they you know they make the people meant to consume it sound like idiots, which probably a lot of them are, because there's a shitload of people buying that stuff. Obviously, yeah. that's the that's the hard part <laughs> of the argument I have with my wife is the, is when she throws the well, okay, well he's selling a shitload of records, and I'm like, uh huh, yeah, I mean, she's like, are you calling all of them idiots? But, but and I'm you, like, well, you want to uh, tell me Hotline Hotline Bling is like some kind of fucking amazing writing? No, no, no. So and that, and that's what I Drake is the Luke Bryan of rap. In my mind, you know what I mean. Well, like it's the same shit to me. But you got also got to understand that dude's name is Aubrey, and he's from Canada. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> and I don't know. I I, uh, I I just have to keep in mind that first of all, if everybody was as ate up with fucking songwriting and lyrics and liner notes and shit as I am, mm-hmm. then I would have no identity. I'd just be another dude. Yeah. And all those people that drive to Dallas every fucking day to go to work or drive wherever it may be or sit at home and work, they don't want to be thinking about heavy shit all the time. No. So they got to have the, the bob your head drive down the road. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that, you know, in the 60s, you know, just my imagination was a little bit cooler than. Yeah. What whatever Friday night tailgate pickup truck song or Drake or whoever it may be. Yeah. People want to enjoy music. They don't want to fucking ball their eyes out when they're driving home from work. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, not a good point. Not to say that there's no place for sad music because it. 
or, or thought provoking music. Oh yeah, there's definitely um, a because time there's and place. got to be. But you have to understand that. I mean, it's just like movies or TV, man. The majority, the masses of people that are going to consume those things and buy them, actually mm-hmm. spend money on them. They're watching Dancing with the Stars, bro. You they want to unplug. They want to turn their. They want to turn their mind <laughs> yeah. off and just yeah. watch some shiny, pretty stuff that so, makes them happy. Sometimes that's okay, and I dig that. And most of the time, I don't because I'm the kind of guy that stays up all damn night long and worries about shit. Yeah, know? me too. I'm the same way. You know. So, uh, and I'm sure you know Daniel Markham. I had him on the show recently. Oh yeah, and I've I, known Daniel for years. Yeah, and he's a really, really great singer songwriter from the area as well. And it's funny because he played the Midway Mart's one-year anniversary, the Midway Craft House. Yeah, I saw that photo. Yeah, and so, but he's sitting there, and you know, he's playing his songs, and they're all really good. And he's, you know, he's a dynamic kind of guy. And and he played Friends in Love Places. He played Friends in Love Places, and the whole place is just kind of going crazy. So it's like, you know, you got that, you know, you know how the effect that's going to have. And uh-huh. and I enjoyed it just as much as anything. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's I've fun. actually learned a lot about those all those things I was talking about from listening and watching him. Not not necessarily his music, but just his attitude about music. Yeah. Has really kind of changed my mind, too. But it, it all goes along with being around it and, and having an open mind and being friends with people who make different types of music. I mean, yeah. I've listened to some of your shows uh, with, with Carl and AV, and, man, I really I really respect all of that stuff. Yeah. And um, there's, there's something for everybody, hopefully. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we had, uh, you know, having him on, I've had him on twice, actually, and once with Claire last week. And, uh, and of course, seeing them together is kind of that dynamic because she's you know, has her own little... Uh, I don't know what, what you would incredible. call it. Like Man, just, just beautiful stuff. kind of. It's almost like a landscape when you listen to her music. Like it just paints this big picture, and then you know you have him who has like these really cool lyrical and also just like the sound is just really cool. But then like you, you talk to him and he he listens to metal and it's like he's he's constantly he's like a metalhead like you talked about like your wife yeah. is yeah. And I'm like I don't I. Don't get it. I, I I've never been into metal. I can't listen to metal. I don't know, but I love like most of the people that I enjoy their music love it. So it's like I don't know where the, <laughs> where the connection comes in, but like you know, it works. It works for some people. I, I don't even listen to it working out at the gym. Like it just doesn't really? work for yeah. me. I don't know for whatever reason. I don't. Know I listen to Run the to. Jewels at the gym or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, that works for me. I after getting you know hooking up with. My, my now wife I mean she used to work for the ticket okay and they gave her they gave her this nickname death metal Jamie so that was I, like you know, one of my first I've, I've heard of her on there yeah, <laughs> yeah that's my wife okay. and so I learned a lot about that stuff um, just from being with her you okay. know and I, there I found a lot of things I really enjoy I've also found things that I will never budge on yeah I never thought that I would think Lamb of God was pretty cool but I, I, I dig it yeah but one thing about it is, like, with any, uh, with the majority of, of music, I I am constantly listening to to structure and and mainly lyrics, mm-hmm. and I'm over analyzing the shit out of it, and I don't enjoy it. Yeah. So with something like metal, that's like so completely foreign to me, as to how to go about creating those sounds and and doing that thing. Yeah. It's 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 kind of fun for me because I can just enjoy the songs, you know. Yeah. But 
<laughs> at the end of the day, those are few and far between. Yeah. I think there's a hard candy shell there where you kind of have to, once you break through it, there is some stuff in there that you, you'll appreciate. And there is there are things that I've heard that I do appreciate lyrically. I just don't really enjoy. I'm not going to play that song on my iPod or whatever. <laughs> it's just, but I, I can respect it or whatever. Uh, it's just not, it's not my bag. And I wonder if a lot of my generation learned to appreciate that kind of stuff through like Johnny Cash with Hurt. Mm-hmm. And like they don't realize that that's a is it nine inch I think it's a nine inch nail song yeah Trent right? Reznor wrote yeah, yeah Trent Reznor yeah. and so it's like you realize lyrically there's a lot going on there but it might have had to be presented in a different you know basket for you to really get it or hear it you know what I mean you would have never given that song a chance you would have just thought oh he's just some metalhead or whatever but he's the, when it's Johnny like Cash an animal guy. yeah yeah exactly it's <laughs> a perfect point and then but this you know Johnny Cash the one that everyone respects does it and you're like oh shit that's a really be- you know beautiful song and you're like yeah but the same guy the same guy that you were uh-huh. looking past is the guy that wrote it you know what i mean yeah you know uh that's that's definitely something to be like i was talking about george Strait earlier yeah uh, with uh with, in in regards to dean dylan being you know, the, the guy that wrote a lot of those mm-hmm. tunes uh there's something to be said for people that that can perform and maybe change the song a little bit in the way that they do it and really make it you know take it to the next level and cash was one of those guys yeah for sure um Hell, even Kenny Rogers, dude. Talk about a song, showman. This is a songwriter by the name of Don Schlitz, and he's written tons of badass songs. He, he wrote, like, him and Paul Overstreet wrote uh, On the Other Hand oh, for Randy wow. Travis. Yeah. Um, Deeper Than the Holler. Yeah. They had a string of really great songs, and that guy wrote The Gambler. Damn. But he... How much money did he make off that song? Oh, God, I have no idea. I mean, he, he's... <laughs> Probably just from the gambler to this day, with what I know about royalties, uh, he probably wouldn't have to work if he didn't want to. Yeah, I mean, you get one, you get that one nest egg, and you can just. (laughs) I have a friend who wrote a B side cut to a Garth Brooks record in the '90s, and he's still getting checks, as far as I know. I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, and they're not gigantic, but they're not, you know, lunch money either. Yeah. But um, that's pretty good. I anyway, mean, it's really like know. a Doyle Bramhall too, like a guy that writes blues songs. I mean, he wrote a bunch of stuff that Stevie Ray Vaughan did. And, oh, did he? I didn't yeah, know a bunch that. of blues. I think Clapton even did a few of his songs and stuff. You know, like a guy like that, you can, you know, if you you get a couple of really big ones, man, you can live off that stuff. Well, have you ever written for anybody else like that? I've had people cut my songs a couple times. Yeah, um, there was this Texas country band. I'd say Texas. I mean, they're from Texas and they play country music, but they're like, they were kind of fit into that whole West Texas rodeo circuit kind of okay. scene, you know? Uh, there's a guy named Cody Johnson and some other dudes that are yeah. like a big deal in that world. They're actually making fuck tons of money. but Playing uh, Larry Joe Taylor and shit. Well, there's like that, that, but some of this is a little bit different. And they did play the Larry Joe Taylor Festival and some other stuff. Anyway, they covered a song called Hitchhiking on their last record. It's a song that I had on, on a record uh, okay. back in 2007. And I wrote it as like a Delta Blues style kind of okay. uh, swampy. Robert Johnson kinda, type thing? Yeah, you know, I started out like that. And then it, uh, it, it kind of became a little more loud and distorted rock, a rock thing. Mm-hmm. And... That band kind of threw a little country twist on that, and they had a fiddle and some other stuff. But that, that's really the only thing that anybody's ever recorded. I had a couple other people demo some songs of mine that they were going, they claimed they were going to put on records, but to my knowledge, no one's ever uh, 
yeah. actually gone ahead and done it. Yeah. But I'm trying to, you know, write some stuff and, and um, pitch some of those things. You know, uh, that world is still a little bit foreign to me. I've got friends that do it, that have uh, writing deals with publishing houses and stuff like that. I think a lot of that would probably require me to move to Nashville, which I'm not opposed to, but uh, there are a lot of things that are probably going to have to happen before my wife is okay with that. Yeah. A little more certainty to it. Which is fine. Yeah, well, that. And, you know, her, her family's here. Grandparents are here. and It's a big leap. Um, yeah. It would be. Uh, and it's not so big for me, but I didn't really grow up with a whole lot of family to begin with. Okay. So moving away wasn't a big deal It's a different dynamic, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just me and my mom for a long time in Kansas. And my mother moved down here before I did, you know. Yeah. So it uh, made it a little easier. Or it seemed like it was probably a little bit easier on me than it would be for her. Yeah. Is there anybody around that you that you write with that you that you ever sit down with and try and do stuff or have any spontaneous you know I, sessions? I really that's one of my biggest regrets or things that I wish would change because people spout off about how badass the music scene is and didn't. But at the end of the day, none of us really get together and just play music to play music. You know, I've always had this fantasy of this like. Heartworn Highways kind of idea of having these big song pulls. Have you ever seen that movie, Heartworn Highways? I've never seen it, no. It's an old documentary. It was made in 1974 or 5. I can't remember exactly what year. Maybe you'll find it. But it, it's, it was, they followed around Guy Clark and Steve Earle and Towns Van Zant and all these people. And they part of it was filmed in Austin. Part of it was filmed in Nashville and, and other, you know, other places too. But mainly... And it, Guy Clark and Susanna Clark would have these people over to their house and they just trade songs for hours on end and, yeah and i wish that happened more here um you know a lot of these people in, it's, that you see in these videos like really young steve earl and a, and a rodney crowell and steve young and all these great people anyway the point being there's not enough of that and i don't co-write very well there's a couple guys that I'm, i've befriended recently that we're, we've talked about trying that yeah but, uh, I'm sure that's hard to, you know, generate organically when you just like schedule it for say, hey, we're gonna go write songs yeah, on Friday. Yeah, that. And also, you know, you're talking about having, uh, especially with me, is songs that I write are so personal, yeah. and it's kind of hard to put somebody else into my frame of mind, um, and 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 to maintain what what we'd like to think is something genuine mm -hmm. that's created for the sake of, of being created rather than for sale mm -hmm. that's tough but yeah. you know that's what you're doing when you when you co-write nine times out of ten you are making a thing to be purchased by somebody so yeah. um it's a, it's a fine line I, and i'd like to get better at it because i'm not opposed to the idea of that some of the greatest songs ever ever written were co-writes you know yeah but um there's a guy named Tony Ramey that lives in Greenville. I just played a show with him the other day. And he has several cuts. I mean, he Clay Walker and George Strait and all these pretty big name people had, you know, uh, top 40 country folks have cut his songs. Yeah. So, man, you, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, for sure. That mailbox money is just fine with me. Man. Yeah, that's that's a, I'm, that's a life I can, I can get on board with <laughs> is going to the mailbox and going, oh. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. That's that's cool. And yeah, I think the last time I saw you was at the uh, it was at a show here 
what was it um how catch him yeah oh yeah 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 that and was that was fun. and that dude growing up i mean small town saturday night alone was a song like it's it was the first song i learned how to play on the guitar oh really yeah and the first song That's i tried one, to learn man. how to sing and stuff so seeing him you know 30 years later singing it and doing it and i i thought he was incredible and the guy he had playing guitar was a fucking wizard. Terry, and, yeah, that guy is a wizard. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a great show. And, and he talked a little bit about Guy Clark inviting him out to his house and just going out there and hanging yeah, out. Yeah, going out there and talking about how he was in pain. And yeah. I think he, he's got, I don't know exactly what the affliction is. Yeah, he had some, some sort form of. form of multiple sclerosis or something. I don't yeah, know he's for battling, sure. battling, yeah. But, uh, you know, that was incredibly big for me uh, to meet him and being around, in and around a music venue like Dan's and seeing so many shows and getting to open a lot of them and, and meet people, it's always the ones that have been everywhere and done everything that are the sweetest folks. You know? yeah. Even somebody, I think it was that, it might have been that night or the Will Johnson show. I'm trying to think of, they all kind of run together, but uh, the night, uh, just sitting out here with Brent Best, somebody like Brent Best talking to him, picking his brain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody like that having him around is like a... You know, it's a resource that not everybody gets, you know what I mean? Grant, without a doubt, is, uh, he's also one of my biggest influences, I mean, musically, but also just, I learned a lot from Grant about how to act. Yeah. And not not necessarily that I didn't know how to treat people, but... um, Just his presence? That, and just how to interact with people who, you know, quote-unquote fans, or I hate to call, I hate to say that word, I I prefer to say friends, or people that are, you know, enjoy People who enjoy your music, yeah. But, um inadvertently he has been an incredibly large influence on me and we've become great friends over the years and we go see shows together and hang out and shoot the shit whatever but um yeah what an amazing writer first off i mean yeah. god damn he he's one of my my best pals but i always forget that until i go see him play and, and generally if i see him play in a different town like oh, okay go, yeah if we go to Arkansas or go somewhere and play a show together, it, he's just fucking incredible, man. His his lyrics are just as good as anything I've ever heard. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a I'm pleasure. Hoping, to, I'm not gonna hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want him to know all that shit. Yeah, I'll t- I'm gonna try and get him on. I'll try and we'll I'll try and get you to put me in contact with him so we can get him on. So oh, we'll have, pick his brain too. So, um, well. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about is uh, any new things you're working on, any new shows you have coming up. What's uh, what's on the on the docket? I don't really have any shows in Denton coming up. Uh, I've, I'm doing a residency right now in a place called Magnolia Motor Lounge in Fort Worth. Great place. Every Sunday uh, up until Mother's Day, I believe, is the last Sunday that I'm doing. So okay. what, what's that, May 14th, I think? Yeah. Still um, about a month or so to go check it out. Yeah, yeah. There, I've got five left. I did the la- uh, last Sunday was the first one. It went really well. We had a good time. And then uh, I'm working on a record. Um, Matt Pence and I and, and a handful of other really great musicians have donated their time. Well, actually, I paid a lot of them, but some of them I didn't, you know. Yeah. Which, which I shouldn't even bring that up. But uh, <laughs> yeah. they, uh, uh, it's sounding so good. I'm, I'm really I'm really proud of the songs, and I'm excited to get it out. But I'm, I'm going to say probably in the summer sometime before okay. that's really – completed you know it's taken me over a year already i figure i might as well <laughs> take your time <laughs> take yeah. my time now because there's you know it's not like i've got a label breathing down my neck about getting it out or anything like that yeah so yeah uh 
Well, that's cool, man. I'll look forward to it. Working title is uh, Escape from Glass Mountain. Okay. So that, that might change, but we'll see. As of right now. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you coming on here and letting us, let me hang out here at Dan's. And like I said, it's one of my favorite places in the world to come and just hang out and see friends and see a show. So it means a lot to get to do it here and with you. And thanks again. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Jean disappeared just like a fall from the banks of the Ninnescar. My sweet Georgia in the moonlight beat everything you ever saw. Those dangerous curves cut a silhouette and dishwater curls still soaking wet. Hotter than the cherry on a cigarette. I ought to bend against the law. She was running off to someplace bigger Where the windows don't rattle and the lights don't flicker Where the farmer's daughter left the dirty river And left me here behind If it's meant to be, it's meant to be There plenty of fish And to see, see the kind of thing People say when they'd rather turn and walk away it's better to have loved and lost than to never love at all. Make sure you don't miss all the flying for the fall. So I hung my head in a nearby town where poor kids just like me we all gathered round before a two-year flame. On the county's ground and on the governor's own dime and I found a ranch and I found a ratchet fit my hand and Just right, I found a Bible, I found a bottle And the age-old fight between the magic of the moon and the morning light Where your reasons lose all their If it's meant to be, it's meant to be there Plenty of fish in the sea, see the kind of thing That people say when they'd rather turn and walk away It's better to have loved and lost than to never love at all Make sure you don't miss all of the flying for the fall at the cafe the preacher and his wife they all tell me to find another and to get on with my life it's easy to take for granted what they see every day to place a hand upon my shoulder and then sigh as if to say if it's meant to be it's meant to be there are plenty of fish this here see the kind of thing that people say when they'd rather turn and walk away. It's better to have loved and lost than to never love at all. And make sure you don't miss all of the flying for the fall.